Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gassers, and I'm with Honky. SCC. SCC. Georgia proved just once again how much parity and depth there is in the conference by breaking Bama's 34-game win streak over the East Division, dating back to October 9, 2010 against uh, South Carolina. Congratulations, dogs. How long ago was that that streak? Uh, Since 2010. Yeah, an entire decade went by that Alabama didn't lose to the East. But that is the greatest conference. It just means more. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Also, uh, Boomer. Well, first, I would like to thank Georgia for showing a plucky underdog with no advantages like they have can actually go ahead and win a national championship in the sport. So good for that. So, And I would also like to take this time to finally announce the uh, unpublicized contract extension we gave uh, Honky to come back to the Redcast. So it's uh, he's now booked through 2026-27 season. That bay- buyout is ridiculous. It is, yes. Uh, we, we've locked him down, folks. No worries. He's not going that's, anywhere. That's right. Uh, someone without a buyout, Redcast Rob. Well, actually, if you read the fine print in my contract with the Redcast, you know that you can't fire me. There is no buyout. I just refuse to go anywhere. (laughs) Funny thing is that that sounds quite believable knowing you, Rob. So, well, guys, uh, good to be back on the show. It's been a few weeks. We've uh, had the holiday season, um, which included bowl season, uh, which concluded last night, as uh, Honky was alluding to with Georgia's uh, victory over Alabama, an actually relatively entertaining game that was uh, a lot of field goals, right, Boomer? A lot of field goals there. Um, that uh, capped uh, bowl season, which we also had the uh, Redcast Bowl pick them. Boomer, what was the, uh, the results of the uh, Redcast Bowl? Pick-em? Well, we had uh, about 31 people uh, sign up for the uh, bowl pick and kind of a challenging year this year, but with all the last minute changes, cancellations, teams swapping out, you know, Rutgers like taping a team together in three days, which is pretty much what they do during the regular season, I think anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, good effort overall. Um, let's see, Dave, you actually finished in the top of the Redcast class. So you finished eighth overall. Very good. Uh, it was not a good year for me. I, I lost a lot of points early. That's all right. Uh, I was 13th, uh, Honky 24th, and uh, Redcast Rob had an average. All courses incomplete. He forgot to sign up. Uh, our top five were uh, Dr. Petey at number five. Um, I believe it's pronounced uh, Let It Snow at number four. Uh, what I think I know, number three, uh, Scotty Doesn't Know picks one. Uh, he was number two. And our winner uh, was Richard Fitzwell, well-known on on Twitter and commenter to the program. So congrats, everybody. Uh, I'm sure we'll think of some prize at some point. Yeah, uh, actually, Richard, you probably don't want the prizes we come up with. It's usually honky and not not in best taste. So I don't um, know. I've seen some of our readers and listeners. So, yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. His name is Richard Fitzwell, and you're oh, worried about what we're giving him. That's just his name, <laughs> isn't it, Rob? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that name. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe maybe that's not his real name. I understand. Well, Honky, um, football season is finally, at least from the college perspective, come to an end. But Nebraska season's been <laughs> over for quite a while. And there has been a lot of changes um, with the roster and the coaching staff. So let's let's talk roster management first. And since the last time we've had a show, we've uh, probably had several departures and, and a few additions. Yeah. According to the Omaha World Herald scholarship distribution chart, which they have a really good one online, 
NU is currently sitting at 88 scholarships. Now, that doesn't include LSU transfer Trey Palmer on it, and it does include Daniel Cerny still, the punter, which uh, he's almost certainly going to be gone now that we have that Brian Buschini guy, the punter uh, from Montana, who is listed on it. So I'm going to just call that a wash. We're at 88 scholarships. That's an important number because schools need to be at 88 by the February signing day. And then they need to be down to 85 uh, by training camp in, in August. So right now we're kind of sitting right on the right spot here. Now, as you mentioned, we've had a number of departures and additions. I don't know if I have everyone here, but I'll try to go through it fairly quickly. Uh, guys that have left, uh, Nadab Joseph, uh, Chris Walker is not uh, choosing to take his sixth year. Uh, redshirt freshman DB Malik Williams. Uh, Will Priscop, the punter. Now, he wasn't on scholarship, but he entered into the portal. Uh, we had Fidelius Payne withdraw, go into the portal, but then he took his name back out and he came back. So he is going to be here. Uh, so we didn't lose Payne. And then we got a number of guys through the transfer portal so far. New Mexico statewide receiver transfer Isaiah Garcia Castanenda uh, transferred here. He'll have three years to play too. Hunter Anthony's an Oklahoma State offensive tackle transfer. Uh, we did get a recruit, Michael Mikey Pauly, who's going to be a baseball and football guy from Kansas City. Or a great athlete and everything. He, he's going to be a baseball guy, but he also plays some quarterback. And we'll see, you know, as a walk-on. I mean, that it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he can try to fit his baseball scholarship on that one. Yes, right? correct. Until he actually plays football. Yep. And I mean, since we're talking about quarterback, that's the the big news. The last couple of days, obviously, was getting Casey Thompson from Texas. Uh, so he's officially a Husker. And then Trey Palmer is the LSU transfer at wide receiver. And he's also been a punt returner and a kick returner. He's had touchdowns doing both uh, when he was with the Tigers. And then uh, just today here, uh, DeAndre uh, Jackson, running back from Texas A&M. He's transferring here. He has four years to play four. And he's a six foot, 215 pound back from Georgia. So uh, that kind of goes through just a number of the changes. Like I said, I, I'm sure there's been a few more, but uh, that's kind of the big ones. And basically, you know, with the offseason starting this week already, uh, guys that are on campus, you know, Casey Thompson should already be working out with the team. So, uh, Boomer, with that uh, list of names, uh, is there anybody in particular that stands out to you that you're excited that uh, have joined the Huskers? Well, first off, obviously, we did make a lot of strides to try to improve special teams. I mean, that just that's clear cut when you're bringing in a couple of punters and a place kicker. They're just really embracing that. And we'll talk about that more when we hit the the coaching, you know, hires as well. Right. And, and like Honky said, everybody's intrigued by Casey Thompson just to see what he can bring in. You know, how is he going to compare to, you know, how what we had before with Adrian and what, what is he bringing? What can he do differently? And how is this all going to mesh with what are we planning to do on offense? I think that's always was one of our questions, you know, a few weeks ago. What are we planning to do going forward? And I think it should still it's still kind of up in the air. I'm still not entirely sure what we're doing on offense. And I'm, I'm interested to see that. So that's kind of where I'm standing at the moment. Yeah. The coaching staff has an idea here at some point. Uh, Rob, who stands out to you? I actually am intrigued with this kid, DeAndre Johnson, they just picked up today. The, it seems like with him and Yant in the backfield. Um, It'll never you know, happen, just, Well, you know, I know two, two, two Could backs in the backfield and, and Yant in the backfield. We never saw that. Well, and I don't mean at the same time, but I, oh. you know, just like you know, that kind of rotation, kind of power up the middle. I mean, 
who knows what Whipple's offense is going to look like at this point. So it's kind of hard to tell. We got that kid from uh, LSU, the wide receiver that, that is uh, coming in there. Trey Palmer. He'll re- Apparently he's supposed to be the replacement for Torre out there on the field. I'm just looking forward to seeing what the offense is going to look like. Um, we kind of know what the defense should look like coming back. Um, but with the, with the offense, this is just going to be a whole new look. And, and I'm excited just to see kind of what, this brain trust that that frost has brought in is going to put together for us i'm expecting to score at least like 65 points a game obviously the the defense is going to hold everybody to like one or two scores you know it's going to change the whole one score game theory for us now one score game is just going to be that our defense held the other team to one score right is that Am I, I doing like the Am I, I doing like the Kool-Aid it. thing? I, like, right? I think you're I doing the Kool-Aid wanna... thing pretty well, Rob. Pretty, okay, pretty well. You. And that's usually Honky. So you, you've uh, probably drank some of his Kool-Aid. Uh, Honk, uh, a lot of names thrown out there. I don't know if I actually really see Trey Palmer as a, a one-for-one for, for Toure, but I do think his addition as a return specialist is really valuable and could be someone who finally rips the, the top off of some defenses. Um, but Casey Thompson ultimately is the – the marquee addition at this point, right? Yeah, he is. And, you know, we had to get a quarterback of that stature since we lost Martinez, obviously, in it, and we didn't have any QBs that had substantial experience. So to get a guy that's been, you know, he'll have stuff two years to play, but he's four years out of high school. He did get to play all of last year. 23. Yeah. You look at it, there's some similarities almost with him and Martinez in terms of, I would almost say bad luck sometimes. I mean, the guy went out and had five touchdowns against Oklahoma. He had, they lost to Kansas, which everyone makes fun of Texas for losing to Kansas, but he scored seven touchdowns, six of them yeah. through the air, and he scored their, a running touchdown. You know, I mean, for, for Christ's sake, the guy he did about everything defense, he could do. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, and, and that's what happened with the Oklahoma game, right? I mean, he scored five touchdowns he put up against Oklahoma, and they put up, what, 48 or 50 or however many 48, points. I believe. They lost 55 yeah. 48, I want to say. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's like, it, <laughs> You know, I can't hold that against him there. He was very productive for him. I, I, I'm very interested that they got a quarterback who has a lot of the, the skill sets that I like in a quarterback. And I was worried. That was probably my biggest worry the second that they hired Whipple. Not that we're going to throw the ball a lot or, you know, all the stuff that Rob was saying, you know, you want to throw the ball, you must whip it or whatever. It's, <laughs> it, it's not that. It was that I didn't want us to have a you know a stick-in-the-mud quarterback, just a, a drop-back pocket guy. I always like to have the mobility with it. And there were quarterbacks that we were looking at, the USC and some other dudes, and guys that Whipple has traditionally had that, uh, you know, I just figured we were going to get. So to get Thompson, I'm ecstatic because he – I think we can meld together some of the best things of what Frost offense has done the last few years with some of the best things that Whipple's offense can do. I think that's what they want to do anyways. And a quarterback like Thompson is someone I think that has all the skill sets to, to be able to do that. Uh, Hockey, you mentioned you've seen quite a bit of a film on, on Thompson uh, and you mentioned uh, his mobility. He didn't run for a lot of yards at Texas, mm-hmm. but I think it, especially knowing his father, he clearly has uh, some, some um, athleticism in his family. Uh, But what were the things that stood out to you in watching that game film? Well, number one, he's decisive. The, the ball gets out. It looks like on time. And so, you know, last year we had a number of sacks, right? And those sacks could be breakdowns of the O-line, but they were also times where after the game, uh, if you think back to the Illinois game and it was that fourth and third and two, whatever it was, and he fumbled and it was the scoop and six, they said that he should have hit uh, Martin, but he didn't see him. And then he hesitates and then he takes off and runs and all that. 
none of that with Thompson. Thompson seemed to be, whether there was pressure or not, I mean, the ball got to him and, and on time, he's making a decisive move. The ball's getting thrown out and he's hitting guys in what looked like the normal progression of the play. But, you know, there were some zone reads that they ran to and uh, Husk guys have been posting some of those videos uh, <laughs> tagging us on it because they know that I like to see that. And it, <laughs> and it has been good. I mean, so I, he just brings a lot of the skill sets that I was hoping we'd have. I didn't know that that would be something that would work in the Whipple offense, but uh, I'm excited to see that combination uh, Whipple with Thompson. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that maybe Casey Thompson won't be as dynamic of a runner as, as Adrian, he's not going to break a 75 yard mm-hmm. run, um, you know, per se, but um, can he do some of the zone reads? Can he actually be uh, mobile and do a lot of things that you like moving the, moving the pocket out, those type of things. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, nothing changes from the, we could go back 12 months and have literally the exact same discussion we said 12 months ago, which is it's great to have the mobile QB, but if Martinez is going to be, as good as we think he could have been last year, we can't have him be the main runner, right? I mean, we've got to get yep. the running back, you know, production out of that position. And we just need the quarterback to be able to use his legs to do some other things, you know, some scrambles, keep plays going, whatever, rollouts, all that stuff. I'd say a lot of the same stuff right now with Thompson too. I mean, I think he's capable probably of running a lot of the things that, that Martinez would run, but I still don't want him to. You know, we don't want 20 carries and we don't want him getting, he'll get beat up just like Martinez did if we do yep. the same stuff. But that's, that's where the, uh, the differences of, of bringing in Whipple, that's where we should see the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there could be a QB two though, potentially, right? We have a, an additional uh, transfer portal quarterback coming to campus this weekend. Um, uh, Chubba Purdy, Brock Purdy's brother and a uh, formerly from Florida State, um, could be joining this um, class, if you will, I guess. So that's what we want to call it. Um, he does have offers uh, also from Oklahoma and maybe a few others, including Pitt, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. But he has a pre-existing relationship with Whipple. Um, so it would be interesting to see if we add a, a second quarterback. And he'd be at in the same class as, as Harburg, is that right? He's, or Smothers. It I might forget. be Smothers because I think he's like two years out. Yeah. It's interesting, though, like him going potentially looking at Oklahoma, which Oklahoma already has the is it the UCF transfer? Dylan there? Gabriel has already transferred. there, So he's already transferred there, but then potentially, you know, Purdy still might go there, too. And why would Oklahoma be looking for a quarterback? Well, Caleb Williams is in the transfer portal and more than likely going to be gone. And that certainly affects us because that game looks a lot different in week three or four whenever we play Oklahoma next year if the Sooners come into town and they don't have either of their two quarterbacks that they basically played last year, both of them. Uh, oh gosh, I've already forgot. Who's the other guy that went to South Carolina? What's his name? Uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Rattler and Williams both leaving. I mean, this is something that's obviously it, it affects. We're not the only team that is affected by losing players through the portal. And it just, it's amazing how much teams can change from one year to the next now. Sure. Both Oklahoma quarterbacks could transfer to USC. Technically speaking, that's very odd. <laughs> they might mix up the paperwork and end up at the same one. That'd be hilarious. You know? <laughs> well, you know, it's an Oklahoma education, so I wouldn't put it past them. Um, <laughs> so a lot of movement. There still could be more movement. Um, I think mm-hmm. they're still probably in the market for, you know, maybe uh, another defensive lineman, uh, secondary, you name it. There, there could be other at- movement there. But there's been a, a lot already. That's for certain. 
All right. Well, uh, to combo that, we also added a, a coach. Finally, um, we've been waiting for for uh, at least two additions potentially with uh, the running running back coach and a special teams coach kind of out there after we lost uh, Tuioti to Oregon and uh, the much uh, you know rumored move of Phil Dawson to uh, coaching uh, the defensive line has occurred, which has opened up the special teams position for Bill Bush. Uh, Honky, uh, what do you think about this move? Well, Mike Dawson, not Phil Dawson, but uh, oh, <laughs> but, right. Phil Dawson was like a kicker for Texas. Texas, that sounds right. Yeah. Wow, that name just totally came out of nowhere in my brain. Well, I think <laughs> he's. Hilarious. I think he's he's Mike and him are twins. I think or something. Like Most that. likely, I'm sure it is. That's okay because I was thinking about the game show host Richard Dawson, and <laughs> that just threw everything off. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I think when we talk about the coaching staff, I think we kind of have to look holistically over what's happened now over the last couple of months. And, you know, I go back to October and having discussions with people and a good friend of mine that's here that's a, you know, uh, he's a disillusioned fan who is a season ticket holder of football, basketball, everything, you know, and he's, he's just, he's disillusioned. Man, he wanted Frost gone. He just absolutely did. And he had every right and every reason and, and there's still people out there that think that we should have made all those moves. And I don't, I'm not here to change their minds or anything. The, the losses are, are what they are. My feeling going back to October was that there were a certain number of things I wanted to see happen that it, you know, we're close, right? We all, we all know how close we are, but there's certain things that we need to see happen and there's no guarantees. It's going to fix it. But if we can just make these certain changes, boy, we think that this could be better. And I would say up to this point, at least all the things I would have had as a checklist, I, I'm seeing it right now. I wanted an offensive coordinator that had some gray hairs, that that had some experience. I didn't want the 31-year-old guy from Coastal Carolina or whatever. I want somebody that that's not going to be overwhelmed in what this position is. I still wanted that mobility out of the quarterback. And I was very lucky to see that we ended up getting that. We've already talked about that, but that was something that was important to me. Uh, offensive line-wise, I knew we needed to go in a different direction from – some of the, I guess what you would call the passive blocking, the zone blocking, whatever, whatever you want to call that, you know, if going more to a gap scheme, uh, Frost has talked a number of times about with Rayola about the modern style that he likes that Rayola is going to bring. So I think we're going to see a more aggressive style in the O-line. And then in that wide receiver room and, and what we're going to, I think, see in the running backs room, I wanted guys coaching those positions that are experts at those spots. Joseph, I mean, you think of what he's done. Down at LSU, you think of the guys that are in the pros right now, what Chase and Jefferson. I mean, guys that are like you know in the top five, you know, receiving right now, receivers in the pros. He comes in and immediately commands the room the second he steps in there. I was legitimately concerned back in November that oh, we're gonna lose, you know, Xavier Betts, we're gonna lose Omar Manning, we're gonna lose these guys. And he comes onto the staff and just right away, they've got to sit there and go, Oh my gosh, we have a top position coach in the country right now working with us and now if so, now that he's been with them for a month if somebody transferred now i'd be like whatever i mean you've had a chance to work with joseph then good you know good riddance quite honestly but i don't see that happening i i think these guys realize that what they've got and then joseph i think realizes that he's got some talent too so there's a lot of good things and then the last part was the special teams and that's what just got announced there with bush and we you know, we know all the numbers and we know all the the pains when they fired those coaches in October, Frost made reference to, you know, the special teams. It was just kind of a specialist issue. And I know we all sat there and said, no, it wasn't. 
It was so much deeper than that in the last two games. Of course, games that were lost by one score, Wisconsin and Iowa, we have a kickoff return for a touchdown. We have a punt block. We have also, for what it's worth, a safety. So we had 16 points not scored against our defense in two games that we lost by one score each. So what do we do? We bring in Bill Bush, who was our our special teams coordinator from 05 to 07. Uh, During that time, Nebraska blocked 16 kicks, including seven in 2005. We ranked in the top 25 nationally in net punting, 24th in uh, 2006, and punt returns, 17th in 2005. Our kickoff coverage unit ranked 15th nationally in 2006 and 22nd nationally in 2005. So none of this guarantees anything, right? I mean, we could go out and be a horrible special teams unit again next year. But to those people that wanted Frost gone, wanted it, you know, start over, we're four years in and look at the record and, and this guy should be gone. I get it. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not hyping anything. I'm just saying the things that I wanted to address, Frost, I'm giving him all the credit in the world right now with what he's done the last two months. He's addressed them. And I think we're going to get a really good running backs coach here, too, who's going to step into that room and has some real experience at the position and uh, is going to you know, have the attention of his guys, too. I mean, I think that's where we're just stepping up across the board with teachers and guys that that have done these roles and – Whipple's a big difference maker too, because like I said, we need we need a grown up, but we need a gray hair guy in in, in that room. <laughs> you know, it, Big Ten's got some great coaches, and and I think uh, we've upped our staff. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a, probably a, a good observation, Boomer. Let's talk about that special teams. You know, I mean, hockey laid out uh, the case for for Bill Bush, obviously. Uh, we didn't actually fire our special teams coordinator. We just demoted him, I guess, or relegated him to position coach. But, um, you know, do you really, I mean, do you think Bill Bush can make an impact in, in year one? And, um, you know, probably a combination of actually attention to detail in the coach, as well as the addition of uh, multiple um, specialists. I'd think so. Uh, you know, a lot of it also depends on how seriously we do take this stuff during practice. You know, we heard right. all the last, you know, couple seasons about how well, we're paying attention to special teams in practice. And, you know, it's, it's leading the, you know, we're, we lead practices with it. Well, whatever they were doing, clearly they weren't, didn't do squats. So it's going to need that philosophical change. I imagine Bill Bush will be the type of coach, you know, who will try to take that seriously. Again, it's going to depend on how it's implemented, but he's got, you know, the background and lots of experience coaching special teams and all sorts of it's only titles. Yeah. So, so there is that. So, and just by having some talent and heck half the time, if you catch a punt and fall forward, you know, a couple of yards, that's an improvement from what we've done on punts lately. So, you know, that shouldn't be too hard for us, but I think they've got to know, I mean, Chattel wrote an article the other day about it that, you know, saying, Oh, Bill Bush can't be out coach as a special teams coach. Well, yeah, that's, well, we've all known, and that's what we're going to have to see here. So it depends how they implement everything, but the pieces are there, and now you just have to try to put them together, I think. And you can have a pretty quick turnaround in, in special teams. The big question, Boomer, uh, maybe you'll need to you know, put your in- investigative reporter hat on for this, is does Bill Bush play golf? Ooh, that could be tough. We'll have to look to see if his contract has any sort of, uh, you know, deals at the country club or something like that. That could be a concern. Yeah, that's right. Right. Is that, is that public information? I think so. We'll have to look into I that. I don't know. Yeah. But all I know is Bruce Reed might have been a good coach, but he liked golf a little bit more than coaching. So <laughs> a little more in special teams, at least. Yeah. So, Rob, um, 
you know, uh, hockey mentioned something with uh, Donovan Raiola, the uh, the modern coaching style that he's going to bring or blocking. I don't modern blocking. If sounds like something you should buy at the Sharper Image or Brookstone, right? Or modern, exactly. modern blocking. <laughs> That's right. Maybe a font <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what do you, I mean? You're you're an NFL guy. You you, you know uh, what's going on up there. You know, Bill Callahan still uh, turning out. Um, Who all. <laughs> Uh, some some guy that used to have an affiliation with both Nebraska and, and uh, the Raiders, oh, um, yeah. playoff bound Raiders. Thank you. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, what, what do you think about um, the offensive line upgrades here with uh, a couple transfers as well as a new coach? So there's kind of a pattern that I'm seeing with a lot of the hires that they're putting out here on on the offensive side, not just the offensive line, and and it seems like a lot of these guys that they're hiring on that side of the ball, if you just go back and you look at their resumes and you look at the things they've done, they either have pro experience or they just are basically a hundred percent successful wherever they've been. Right. You know, you've got Joseph with the wide receivers and his recruiting, and we're already seeing results from that. Um, Riola, I mean, one of the things that that offensive line needed in my opinion last year was just a little bit more discipline one thing that you should see from an offensive line, whether it's in the pros or in college, no matter how big your rotation is, is you should see a progression of um, improvement throughout the year. And it just felt like last year, whenever we'd start to see that sort of improvement on the offensive line, all of a sudden, you know, they're giving up four or five sacks in a game and we're just pulling the hair out of our head. And I think Ryan yeah. is going to bring in that attitude that is going to allow, and he's also, you know, got guys coming back. So, you know, it's like, that's the sort of thing that you want to, that you want to build. Right. I, I think in Nebraska, we call it something like the pipeline or something along the, yeah. <laughs> something like and, that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I keep seeing references to that, you know, like building the pipeline, building the pipeline. And that I think is the sort of thing that I think Riola wants to bring in because while us as fans are looking at this year to be like the year frost needs to prove it. I feel like a lot of these guys that he's lining up are like, Hey, next year we're going to win. And so I'm looking forward to the next two, three, four years is kind of the attitude that I'm seeing in a lot of these hires that he's bringing in. You guys can run me, put me through the ringer next year if I'm wrong. But I mean, that's kind of the impression that I'm getting from a lot of these guys he's hiring is like, he's not looking at it like do or die because he feels like with these guys, he's going to be able to do it. So he's no, looking that's, that's at an interesting observation, Rob. I'll, I'll give you that actually. Honky, um, you know, uh, Raiola came from the Chicago Bears. Uh, Matt Nagy was just fired a, a day or two ago. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people think that we have all these inside connections uh, and that usually isn't the case, but one of our insiders did tip us off in a certain uh, running backs coach from the bears, right? Yeah. Michael Petrie, who's been the uh, running backs coach there. He was also at Oregon state before that. Uh, so that bodes well for us, but I mean, he's, he has a very strong history and he's, he's had some success with uh, developing California players. guy. Yes recruiting type of guy too actually which is a nice yep. bonus so running backs coach that could recruit the west coast that that sounds good yeah we'll see if our insider know if if it's right if it is the chicago bears uh running backs coach then i i will name our insider next week but i don't want to name, name our deep throat i will i mean I will. well he what, said what if you can't 
He said yeah. that we could call him the official uh, insider of the Redcast. So, oh, okay, good. So, uh, you know, we, we'll do that. But so we've been saying that internally for about the last week, and then then all of a sudden we did start seeing it in some articles. Yeah, and then it, so, it's made the mainstream media. So it's interesting, Rob. So I didn't know if we were going to be bringing that up. So I didn't want to like give away our insider information or anything yet sure. either. But that was another point that I was going to make. You were asking me about the offensive line coach. Well, if you've got an offensive line coach from the Bears, then all of a sudden now we're looking at a running back coach from the Bears. These are two guys that have worked together, right? So yeah, I mean, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna be, you know, that's a big deal, right? Because mm-hmm you got a running back coach who understands the style and the scheme of the guy coaching the offensive line. There's not going to be a whole lot of lag between those two guys um, coming into the room and working together, right? It's going to be hitting the ground running is the cliche, I suppose. So yeah. no pun intended. Um, but yeah, and then uh, really no pun intended. Um, <laughs> so good on me. Yeah. But yeah, so that was something else I wanted to bring up, but I wasn't sure if we were allowed to share that information. <laughs> well, I mean, we could be wrong. I mean, his we could name, be wrong. Totally. His name's I mean, out there now. And I mean, there's other yeah. names, but I, I feel like with some of those college ones, like the Florida state guy and some it of would ones, have it by now, it, right? It would have happened. Right. And so it, I think they were clearly at least waiting for some things to happen. The NFL season, just getting done being one of them. And so, um, but I want to go back to the O-line coach. Cause to me, that's really going to ultimately be where we either have success or don't have success next season. It, it, it has to come from the offensive line. And again, the coaches, some of the coaches that left, it's, I have a great affinity for some of these guys. I mean, Greg Austin is part of the pipeline and, you know, was let go. Ryan Held is a the guy, no one cares about Husker football more than Ryan Held. And I hated seeing these guys go, but I think that we have upgrades. And the O-line is, I think, an interesting one to me because that was a position group. I think if you saw the reaction from its players, I think of all the coaches that were fired, the O-line maybe had the hardest reaction to losing their coach. I think they were all really right. attached to Austin. And, you know, so much so, I'm not saying this is why Jurgens went pro. I'm just saying that so much so that even Jurgens went pro, you know, uh, right after the season. Maybe he would have done it anyways. But uh, I, you just saw that. I think they were, it, it really affected them. And so that's something that Rayola is going to step into. But I guess at the end of the day, it is all about the execution. I mean, the reason that Austin's not here, unfortunately, to all those linemen that if they were upset about it, unfortunately, it's the, it's the false starts. It's the it's the penalties. It's those things. And it's that caused it. I mean, that's why he's not here. You, you go back to the yep, Northwestern right. game in 2020. Development. Yeah. yeah. You go back to the Northwestern game in 2020 and every offensive lineman had a penalty on him in the first half. Every single one of them. You go back to the Oklahoma game this year, and before Martinez even gets to run his first play, it's already first and 20 because of back-to-back penalties. There's a reason why the changes needed to be made, and it's not that we're terribly far away, but there were, but there were clearly some things that have to get better. But we've got some players, man. We've got these, you know, we still have three straight seasons of having top 100 recruits. We still have Ben Hart. We still have Corcoran. We still have Prochaska, right? We've got these players. And it's what are you going to do with these guys? Corcoran, does he get moved inside to center? That's actually something that we've seen thrown about, right? Yep. What does Hunter Anthony, who comes here from Oklahoma State, who's played tackle and played guard, you know, was just playing. I think he was just on their team in the bowl game. Yeah, but, that was interesting. He actually had visited us, but he yeah. still played in the bowl game. It was like he was in the transfer portal, but still playing or some crazy thing. I don't know how that worked, but apparently yeah. – uh, yeah, and, and they go and they win their bowl game, right? And so now he's coming straight down to Nebraska, and there's a lot of pieces there. You also have the Northern Colorado transfer, the, uh, is it Williams, the kid from, yeah, uh, from uh, Omaha. Omaha North? 
you know, you have Newley back. I mean, there's plenty of pieces to build a really good offense line out of. And then I, I'm curious too, with like just getting new minds, new guys into that offensive room. We said it all last season. Wow. Wouldn't it be great to get step and Yan on the same field at the same time, 500 pounds in the backfield, blah, blah, blah. Never happens. Right. We never get that downhill running game. Well, I've seen Whipple's offense have eye formation. Are we going to incorporate a fullback at times? Are we going to slow down at times and get under center? Are we going to huddle here or there? Not, I'm not saying shotgun spreads going away. I'm just saying, are we going to see some of those things now more incorporated? The tight ends are still going to be very much a part of this offense. Get Fedoni out there now in Bokalik. He's coming back. You know, there's, there's some great pieces to work with mm-hmm. for all these coaches. And I think some of the, uh, hopefully, if, if it was worth it to make all these changes to fire four offensive coaches, hopefully some of the things that we've been pulling our hair out because we haven't seen happen, we're going to start to see next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, big picture wise here, and I'm sure Honky will jump on this, but uh, Boomer, Rob, uh, please, please add, uh, you know, it, it's interesting in the sense that one of the, the biggest sources of praise of the coaching staff when Frost was hired was they brought the entire coaching staff from UCF and there was this continuity, um, right? Um, but there was, you know, a little, you know, question like, well, a lot of these guys haven't coached, you know, power five yet, all that type of stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's taken us to year four, but I mean, one thing that through, through the last two decades of uh, Nebraska trying to, to find the right uh, recipe for success, one that I never felt like we really, really was able to tap into was not only having the right culture um, from a Nebraska perspective, but really having the, the best coaching staff you could possibly assemble. Right. And um, it was really interesting that these guys had worked together and had spent a lot of time together at UCF for a couple of years and had a lot of success in one year, but it never felt like we were really investing uh, and it, you just can't throw money at a problem, but sometimes you, you can find experienced assistants that are really good at their craft and have done it a lot of different ways and they can bring that expertise into the room. And um, it, it took four years, but we finally have it. I mean, and so I'm really interested to see how this works. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why it won't work, but um, it won't be because they didn't hire uh, guys that are going to be able to bring uh, their own voice into that offensive uh, meeting room. I wonder how much of that is Albert's influence in the room too, right? But, you know, just kind of coming in, he's got a great relationship with Frost. I wonder if he actually like sat him down and was like, okay, look, buddy, I know you have your style. I know you've got your, your thing that you're doing here and, and going on and everything, but we're going to have to kind of maybe take a step back and maybe let go a little bit because it seems, and and we've talked about this before on the show where, you know, Frost controlling the offense, what did, what did he do there? The Illinois game, right. You know, the, the infamous Illinois game, um, yeah, you know, taking over, o- taking over right there in, in the game, first game of the year. And you're out there taking over the offense when, you know, you have a perfectly capable offensive coordinator, or at least you thought you did. Um, so, <laughs> but, you know, so, I mean, he's not bringing in a guy like Whipple to take away the clipboard, you know, against Northwestern because they lined up in a weird front, you know, I mean, that's, that's yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Going it's forward. not going to happen. Yeah. So, and hopefully anyway, it's it, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. If it does, I mean, that's, that's problematic. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, if it does, I quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're just trying to get out, Rob. I thought you said you could never quit, or or, or you'll no, never. No, I said I couldn't be. I said I couldn't be fired. Oh, dang it! I see. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Let's say they do hire a Petra Petri. Is that right? How you say his name? Uh, who has a recruiting background and Mickey Joseph is one of the best recruiters out there. And Bill Bush is actually has a great recruiting track record. Um, you look at the, the UCF transported Nebraska staff and I mean, you see someone like Travis Fisher who has a good recruiting track record and Sean Becton, and those guys still have jobs here. Right. And they are bringing in a lot of that talent. Yep. And um, I, I think you know, Dawson can recruit in New Jersey and the East coast a little bit. Now we've got maybe, two, maybe three guys that are adding to the staff, not only are, are good coaches at their positions, but um, uh, really can recruit. And that's, that's a big difference. And I think that's not just recruiting guys and being a good recruiter. It's also talent um, identification and evaluation, right? I mean, that's, that, that's maybe something that we've been lacking over the last couple of years. Yeah. I would say at least since the Pliny years, we have yeah. kind of made a, a, a history here of, going green with some of our you know coordinators yeah. young guys and and that was why it was so important to me the whole whipple you know whoever the oc was going to be have a gray hair right we need some guys that have some experience and to your point there i mean bringing in whipple who has been a long time oc who just coached the uh the heisman trophy winner right we have a wide receiver coach who's coming heisman in trophy who, nominee or nominee yeah, i'm sorry not winner but but nominee and and then to bring in the wide receiver coach who just had multiple players now going to the pros and these recruits like, you know, crazy down there. And I mean, he's well-respected. That's such a step up from what we had prior. And it, it makes me think a little bit too about like, you always hear during the coaching carousel every year, well, what's a better job? And I always think that's the stupidest question. There is to me, there's no such thing as this is a better job than that. It's each individual coach has their own list for a variety of reasons of what is the best job. And I swear, you ask Mickey Joseph right now, if it came down to, to Alabama or Nebraska, I think he takes Nebraska. That's the best job in his, for him. That's where he wanted to be. Frost was the number one coach pretty much back in 2017, right? Could have gone to anywhere. Could have gone to Tennessee and Florida and all those things. And he wanted to come to Nebraska. Nebraska was the number one job. Now, you go and you ask someone nationally, you know, hey, are you going to go to Nebraska or Alabama? What's better? It, it just, it doesn't work that way. It, I think that the, sure. it's so it's much relative. More, it is relative and it is important. I love the fact that in the process of getting rid of some of the guys that I said, I have an affinity for, I, I, you know, Greg Austin and Ryan Hill, that it hurts to see former Huskers being let go. And yet in the process, we've now brought back Bill Bush, a, a Pender, Nebraska native and someone who's coached her before we bring back Mickey Joseph into the fold, which is just great. I mean, I, I love seeing that. Too and and but these guys are are well respected and I mean they are good hires good additions not just because they're being former Huskers they are experts at what they do yeah I mean that's what we're hoping for right you know yeah I, mean, I think that's and really um, an important part of this whole evolution of of what this offense is going to look like yeah and and it doesn't guarantee anything right I mean everything nope. is this hype no this is just we are speaking facts right now that we brought in a receivers coach who has coached guys that are in the pros that are doing very well. We have a, a special teams coordinator now who has demonstrated at this very school success in that position. Okay. We have an offensive coordinator who has just had a Heisman trophy finalist play for him last season, right. And has years and decades of, of experience. So 
I'm not hyping anything. These are facts. Now, can you bring it together? I'll, I'll never forget. Probably one of the dumbest things I've ever said was like on show three. If you go way back to our first year, it looks dumb. And, and you've said a lot. I've said a lot, but it looks really dumb now looking back on it. But I was talking about that defensive staff going into the last year of Riley. And I said, this might be the best defensive staff we've had going back to McBride. And the reason I said it was, well, Diaco is a former Broyles, you know, candidate or winner. Did he win it? I, I can't remember at this point. I think he won. I think yeah. he won. Yeah. So, he did win, yes. So you've, you've brought in the big name DC, right? And Perel is your D lineman. I love the guy. Trent Bray is your linebackers coach. Look at what he's been doing at Oregon State. He's a great yeah. coach. Dante Williams was great part coach. of that. Bob great Elliott. Coach. You know, before he you know passed away, I love that guy. You know, I mean, there was gr- they were great coaches. They really were, they, and they are going to be great coaches. Continue to be. They will have well, other than Diaco, but they. <laughs> but, but you had you had a lot of star power in there, but it just for a variety of reasons didn't merge and meld together right. Right now, we have a lot of great pieces that I think Frost has put together on the offense. Can you get it to meld together? Can right. the, the best things that Frost wants to do with the best things that Whipple wants to do with the experiences that Joseph's going to bring into it with the new modern age blocking that Rayola brings to it, you know, all those things, can you meld it together? If you can, you know, I mean, we're going 12 and 0, right? I mean, th- that's, there's no other, there's no other way. No but, other explanation. Obviously, There's no other explanation. And yeah, special teams gets back to where it should be, you know, under, under Bush's tutelage, and Boomer is right. I mean, I went to the the spring practice, uh, the the open one last year, and I came back and I flat out said we were putting more emphasis on special teams than I had certainly seen at the practices that I went to in the coaches' clinics in 2018 and 19 under Frost. There was a, a noticeable difference in the amount of attention put to special teams. As we saw last year, none of it translated to the field, right? So I think he's made the right moves. Um, there's no reason to hype anything because I mean, the proof is no one wants to hear the hype and the proof is going to be when they kick off in Ireland. So, I mean, that, that's a good segue to the, the question I wanted to ask Boomer and, and Rob and, and, you know, kind of the, the opposite of, of that is, you know, we think they've, they've made the right hires. They've, they've hit all your checklist uh, right there, honky. Um, but let, let's say a year from now, it didn't work for some reason. we, come out of the gates and we stink and ultimately this coaching staff is not retained boomer and and rob what would be the number one reason why this is not going to work don't answer all at once yeah (laughs) i I guess i would probably say hockey kind of touched on it it's just you're throwing a lot of pieces together trying to make it work in this year i mean was it a matter of time add, in your sense, Boomer? Like, I mean, if, I don't even, it may not even necessarily be a time thing. It's just, you've got a lot of disparate parts that you're trying to bring together. And, you know, you've got Frost has his offensive ideas. Whipple might have his own. You've got still an untested O-line that's got to replace a lot of parts and pieces, you know, and if that doesn't improve, you know, it probably doesn't matter what kind of offense you want to run without a good O-line in the big 10, you're going to get mauled. And, as we saw in the in the playoffs, you know, a good D-line can annihilate a lot of O-lines these days. Um, and it's just a lot of things that you just have to see get fixed in a hurry. Uh, you know, special teams, it can get better in a season, but they haven't done it yet. So if those things aren't fixed and they're not fixed fairly quickly, I mean, luckily we've got that, I think, the, the slow 
takeoff strip the way the season oh, until starts. Until they change North... our schedule tomorrow. Well, right. Until we open with Ohio <laughs> State and, and, and Ireland or something. They'll, they'll slip right. on us tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got time. You've got a season to hopefully make it work. Find that quarterback that is going to fit for it. Because we forget we are replacing a multi-year starting quarterback with – question marks yet so there's a lot of things that have to try to fit together in a hurry you know you've got time to make it work but it certainly may not i mean there's plenty of opportunities for it to fail so yeah yeah i don't i don't really want to answer that question because they're going to be five and one six and oh to start the season and there's that kool-aid you're drinking again and and you know they're going to be bull eligible by like week seven or eight so it it, (laughs) at this point at this point i really don't even want to answer that question dave i i don't like the fact that you asked me to answer that question (laughs) i don't want to go on the record having say anything i will also add that i just saw somebody post that we are bringing in another running back possible running back recruit too he was a juco guy juco all-american um Anthony, right. Grant, Anthony Grant, I think, is going to come visit this weekend. 5'11, 210 pound running back. So mm-hmm. I think that's it. There was an announcement on, on Twitter right. when I was sitting here in front. So I think he's no, been out before. I think we went after him like a year ago or something, too. Or maybe right, before we'll, that. we'll find out. Well, I'll Dave, I'll, I'll answer that. I'll give one word. It would be if they're getting fired, it's execution or lack of. The whole reason you brought in all these coaches. There's some scheme things, no doubt, but at the end of the day, it's execution. If we're jumping off sides and we look like a mess on O-line and we're getting first and 20 when we play Oklahoma and it's first and 20 on the first down, you know, like like last year, that's a problem. Rayola needs to fix that stuff immediately. There's certain things that need to be fixed immediately. Uh, we have a quarterback. I said that, you know, that you watch the video of Thompson. He gets the ball out on time. That needs to be an immediate improvement that the passing game needs to look you know, where, where we're not scrambling on every play because we didn't see the open receiver. We heard yeah. that so many times last year. Execution, special teams, it's a non-negotiable. It just has to – if it's not marketably better next year, and that's one of the reasons why we end up, you know, going five and seven and six and six, whatever your, your hype, you know, your kind of situation was, Dave. If I would take that, six and six. Well, if that happens, if, if that's why – they get fired is because special teams isn't better Then I don't know what to say. I mean, it needs, it needs a non-negotiable be so markably better. And look, when people say, are we close or not? I mean, you look back at last season and it's all the crazy things, the nine single digit point losses, eight, one score losses, right? We scored 239 points in the big 10 play and we gave up 239 points. It was a, we were dead even. And yet we went one and eight. Like that's just, it's unheard of. I, I, I did Thanks, some stats. Well, but you know what? I did stats on like, you know, Iowa and Iowa only outscored their opponents by, it was like 15 or 20 points. I think it was, but you yeah. know, they end up winning the West and look, why did they do it? They're often stunk by most people's accounts, right? Yes. But they play great special teams and they obviously their defense. I mean, look, that's how Nebraska has to focus on being great at all three levels. On day one, when Frost got here, there was this, this feeling that, you know, we're going to run this Oregon speed and, and Husker power, and we're going to be a top five offense in the country. And I mean, bullish on the offense. What, what about defense? Oh, we just have to be good enough to get the ball back to the offense, right? I mean, if defense is going to be great, cool, but not really important. Get the ball back to the offense. That's the important thing. What about special teams? Uh, analysts can, can take care of that. It doesn't work like that. I mean, the emphasis now we've seen, thank God, our defense did what they did. You know, that really was the shock of last year, if anything, was just how good defense was. 
that defense next year, probably one of my biggest concerns coming into next year is it's important that defense plays at a level close to at least what they've been doing. And they really lose a lot of the players, right? They're, they're starting over on a lot of positions, losing Daniels and Stilly up front, losing Doman and losing so many of the guys in the secondary. Um, it's not that we don't have talented guys backing them up. It's not that I think we're going to be bad. It's just that the level has to be pretty high. We can't have a huge drop off on the defense as we get better at special teams. We need to keep it up high too. three levels of the field need to play well, three areas. If those areas don't perform at that level, then we can have a bad season again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt we've proven we can, we can do that in spades. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Honk. Well, uh, before, before we uh, leave, I, I would like to maybe kind of recap for our listeners. What are we expecting going forward here over the next couple of months? Uh, there is a, a February signing date. There is obviously um, the, the players getting back. They're just reported this week for uh, conditioning, but then there'll be spring ball and ultimately a, a spring game. You have some, some general um, dates uh, or times for, for those things. Well, the off-season program has already started. So the players, the transfers that were coming in, Casey Thompson as an example, really yesterday was kind of a date that was important to try to get guys if they want to be here right away with the off-season program. I I feel like the semester starts on the eight, like the seventeenth or eighteenth. I think that's well, at least from a football perspective, because they were saying that Brock um, Chubba Purdy, if he did commit over the weekend, would just stay in town and go right to school. Yeah, January 18th is when the spring 2002 regular academic session starts. So, And then you get into, with the early uh, spring game, which is going to be April, what, 9th? 9th. Probably means that they're going to be doing spring ball, you know, late February, maybe early March, and not having the, the, maybe not having the week break in the middle that they've done in the past, or the, some of the breaks in the past. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to time that out, but things are sped up a little bit because you're not having... I mean, geez, last year it was in early May. It was a late spring game. So this is almost going to be a full month earlier. And one of the reasons they're doing that is because they're going to be resurfacing the football field over the course of the, the summer. Right. Um, uh, because of COVID, they didn't have some of the money to do it when they should have. So that field was, I think you're supposed to replace it every seven years, and it's nine years old now. So apparently it's not in great shape. I think that kind of speeds things up. But, yeah, you really want to make sure you have your team in place here by January 18th, start of the semester probably expecting, you know, a good six, eight weeks of winter conditioning. And then you're into spring ball in basically all of March for sure. And then early April spring game. Yeah. And having the early spring game, actually, maybe we learned some lessons last year, maybe having it a little bit earlier isn't bad because we'll start uh, fall practice a little bit earlier because we're a week zero game for the second year in a row. So Dave, you said something interesting there, too, that if, if Purdy comes to campus, there's a good chance that he just starts school next week. So what you're saying is that there should be a Purdy watch out there to see how he arrives. Does he arrive with a moving van? Does he arrive with multiple suitcases? That's right. You know, are right. his mom is and dad his there? Cable like, connected or not? Like yeah, exactly. when he goes in, when he goes in and like has a meeting, you know, well, apparently he can't. Can you meet with the coaching staff this week? I can't. I, can't I think they can meet starting now. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, so it was so, last week. So they couldn't last weekend that they couldn't. So I was listening to some Husker radio and some of it was delayed podcast. So I can't remember, but um, so like if he's hugging his mom and dad goodbye after a meeting coming out of the coach's office and you know, it's good, right? Yeah. Strong indication. Okay. Yes. My recommendation would be not to do it frosted when he transferred from, 
from Stanford, though. He flew into Nebraska wearing his Stanford uh, letter jacket as a transfer to Nebraska. It's like, so Purdy, don't be wearing any Florida State stuff if you're going to be sticking around. In all fairness, didn't they win a national championship with Frost, though? So maybe that's something you should do. Well, that's, yeah, but that also partly caused the Wistroms and Jason Peters of the world to make Frost life a living hell his first year here to, you know, so <laughs> i don't know if we my, have those my guys point, ready my, to... my point still stands no your you know, point your point's yes. appropriate yes, yes. all right good stuff guys good stuff all right anything else uh, we want to cover with husker athletics right now we've uh, you know uh, women's basketball is doing well mm-hmm. uh, i'm not going to mention other um round ball activities you know we're still waiting for baseball to start any, any... Hey, bowling is good bowling's good yeah Always that's a round ball that's yeah. number. Yep, absolutely. When does when does rifle season start? That's you know, can when I come out for the spring game, can we catch a? Do they call it a rifle match, a rifle battle? What do, what do they call it? I think it's a meet, isn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. A battle would be a little concerning. I, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little more that. worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do, especially because they they're apparently better than army, so we don't really want to be out there battling army. Yeah, that's right. Because right. they probably have a higher budget. All right, guys, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, Redcast Rob since you're on a roll. Actually, my, my parting shot's going to be a little bit somber. I just I just want to uh, at least dedicate the show for myself to uh, my buddy Chad Kuna, who passed away on, on Friday night in his sleep. Um, suddenly, we still don't know what happened, but big Husker fan, uh, really good friend. One of my first first friends when I moved out here to Greeley, um, and moved in with my wife. He was one of one of the first friends that I made a little over ten years ago. So, um, kind of a somber somber week for me here. But um, you know, just let everyone know I'm thinking about him now. So, much respect. All right, Boomer. Okay. Well, the only uh, you know, shout out I have is uh, some news broke today that uh, former Husker volleyball great Jordan Larson has started her coaching career uh, down at uh, the University of Texas. So, uh, you know. Hmm. Yeah, we won't hold that against you too much, Jordan, but uh, good luck down there and uh, enjoy the coaching career. The uh, Hooper, Nebraska native who is... Hooper, Dave, it's Hooper. Yeah, not, Ho- not oh, Hooper. They, oh, they will oh. correct you, so it's Hooper. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, you, you would know. Uh, but um, uh, had been, I believe, voted, you know, you know, number one volleyball player in the world uh, a few different times during her um, professional career and a gold medal winner there um, last year. So wait, did you awesome. mispronounce a town in Nebraska, Dave? I, I, I honestly have always called it Hooper and no one has ever corrected me. I just, so, I just um, want I just want to point that out after, you know, the ration of um, no one's ever corrected me on this you, ever. You, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if I 100% even believe Boomer right now, but um, he does have connect connections in Dodge County, so maybe I'll, I'll let it go. Um, Honky. Yeah, poor Rob. We'll, we'll never let the uh, beat rice or whatever he called Beatrice. Uh... <laughs> oh, the Beatrice. Beatrice. <laughs> That's right. We'll never let that go. Um, well, speaking of volleyball, uh, Nicklin Haynes announced that she's coming back. And, you know, she had the extra year, the COVID year, that she uh, she gets to come back now as a sixth year. And she's – this is so cool. This is amazing. She's coming back and basically already saying that she is going to switch positions. So here she's been an All-American setter. But because we have, um, I think, or is her name, a, a freshman last year that was like, you know, right. top in the country. And she got to play a little bit last year, but obviously was behind Haynes. Well, 
Hames is moving positions, kind of like uh, Knuckles did. Knuckles went from being the libero to uh, being a, a defensive specialist, I think, when they uh, brought in Rodriguez. And obviously, Rodriguez ended up being, you know, all-American freshman, you know, at, at the spot. I mean, we are the Alabama of volleyball right now. It's just amazing how to, to keep yeah. the team together like that and to, to bring – to manage how you can bring in top recruiting classes and not just having all Americans leave. I mean, they're sticking around and, and then uh, even two years from now, Nicklin wants to stick around and be a GA here at Nebraska. So yeah, while Larson's going down to Texas and you know, uh, she wants to stick around here and get her coaching uh, career started here. And, and that's great to hear too for Larson. I'm happy for her there, but anyways, I just, I think that's great from Nicklin Ames and, and uh, just really excited for the, for the volleyball program. It, it continues to be at a very high level. Uh, I also want to give a congratulations to Nebraska All-American and Outland Trophy winner Zach Wiegert for being selected into the 2022 College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, we've spent some time tonight talking about the offensive line, and I don't really care if it's zone blocking or man blocking or gap blocking or whatever the heck it is. Wiegert just wanted to kick the shit out of you. And it was just so fun. The, the old-fashioned counter sweep. When you'd see him get out on the edge outside the tight ends and he's downfield blocking defensive backs and outside linebackers, he was just crushing people. And he was also the guy that was notorious for telling the defense that, hey, we're running this hole. He'd just tell them where we're going because you got you to find a way to stop us. And more times than not, they couldn't. That's the kind of play I always want to see. And, and there's football is always at, at its core. I know it's changed over 20 and 30 years but it's still a, it's a Spartan game. Osborne called it that it's a Spartan game. It's a tough game. It's a physical game. And Wiegert embodied all of those things. And uh, he absolutely deserves to be in that college football hall of fame. I'm ecstatic to, to see him get there. And so congratulations. Great stuff guys. All right. Well, that was a, a good January uh, red cast covered a lot of bases uh, and We'll look forward to another show here soon. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. GBR. A Huda Media Production.